0: Socks in a Basement brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions. The phone number is right there on the logo or go to FAMWS.com. Remember, you get money off if you mention us. We're talking sump pumps. We're talking window wells. We're talking foundation issues. They have a ton of things they deal with. Seepage. You got water coming into the basement. If you have any issue at all or you're worried you might have one brewing, get them out there for a free estimate. Tell them that we sent you and get it taken care of. Before it is too late. You're listening to Socks in the Basement, for fans, by fans, 30 minutes of socks. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. We're sitting here at a nine-foot homemade oak bar in my basement on the south side of Chicago. And I wanna say right off the bat, Ed, that I'm pissed off. Why now? I was in the car driving over here. I had to run out and get some errands done, and got over here a few minutes before you got here. And it's Tuesday afternoon. And 2 o'clock in the afternoon or a couple minutes after that, and I'm flipping around on the AM radio dials, and I listen to the flagship station of the Chicago White Sox, ESPN 1000, and their afternoon guys, Waddle and Sylvie, and I listen to Sylvie go into this big, long explanation that the White Sox are not the story of Chicago sports. In fact, not only are the White Sox not the story of Chicago sports right now, but It's the Cubs. It's obvious it's the Cubs. And then after the Cubs don't become the story of of Chicago, it'll be all about the brand-new quarterback for the Chicago Bears. And possibly, if he is not a story in October and the Cubs are not in the postseason, only then would the White Sox be important in Chicago. And then his partner, and and you, you back me up on this, my friend, because you and I, way back in the day, 20 years ago, We're both in radio together, you know, bouncing around the country doing that. When we were young, we were in our 20s, we were hip, we were happening, we're listening to grunge. And we knew that when you were putting together a show, one of the things you would do, one of the tricks you would do is even if you both agreed on something in the pre-show meeting, somebody would say, well, I don't feel that strongly about it. So I'll take the other side so we can have an argument. Right. But not in this case, not in this case. Waddle immediately goes, you're right. And, and, and at that moment, I realized why tens of thousands of people downloaded a podcast last month and listened to socks in the basement where two friends sit at a bar and talk about the White Sox. That is why if you go and you search White Sox podcast in general, you see an abundance of them that not only exist, but are successful. Why? Because this town doesn't care about this team. The the media bias is real. What Liam Hendricks said over the weekend is real, and it will never, ever matter. The ESPN has forgotten about the White Sox winning the World Series more times than any of us can remember over the years, and now their flagship station that carries White Sox games is in the middle of the afternoon drive telling you that the Cubs are a better story, that the Cubs are more important, that the Cubs are more relevant, And it's ridiculous. We're talking about a White Sox team that is doing everything they're doing right now, more solidly in first place than the Cubs, solidly in first place, to the point where they could lose three out of four to the Cleveland Indians and still be solidly in first place. And they're doing it with a replacement-level outfield, massive injuries, a polarizing manager, all kinds of just craziness going around the team. And they're pulling it all together with multiple rookies in their lineup. But that isn't a story, of course, because the blue pinstripes up north in that garbage stadium with garbage fans that don't know anything about baseball, they're locked right into Chicago media. All these media personalities that you listen to in Chicago that will only root for the White Sox and talk about the White Sox as long as the Cubbies aren't anywhere near being in it. But the moment they are, they just forget you. And that's why. Two guys could sit at a bar and have this massive podcast that all these White Sox fans listen to. You want to know why? Because nobody else talks about this team and that's insulting. It's insulting. Remember this right now. Remember this when we're winning and these guys are trying to tell you how they were with the Sox the whole way. Remember this when it's like August and September and Aloy and Robert are back and, and, and these guys are sitting there and they want to talk Sox with you, Sox fans. Okay, because they're carpet baggers. The entirety of Chicago sports media is nothing but a bunch of north side carpet baggers that bring up the White Sox only when it is convenient. And the moment the Cubs go on a little winning streak and peek in the first place in our division, just dismiss the White Sox because the Cubs are clearly the story. That's on the White Sox flagship radio station today. I mean, I, like I laughed at Liam Hendricks' comments, Ed. I was like, ah, oh, come on, it's just that's just, you know, more Sox angst but we spent so much time fighting with each other over whether or not we all like La Russa or whether or not we like the banning order. It's about time we all turn around and started sticking our middle fingers up to the rest of this city that ignores this team. And I, it just, it blew my mind today and I'm pissed.
1: All right. Yeah. You should be pissed off about that. That, that. That's, that's worthy of being pissed off about because, you know, for all of the Cubs fans that I know, who sit there and complain that White Sox fans have this inferiority complex. And they're like, oh, you know, you guys just hate the Cubs because you're just, you know, you're just a bunch of haters, basically. And, they, you know, you're not real fans, you just don't like us, and and you mock us because you're just not as cool or you don't have as good of a stadium or good of a neighborhood around it or whatever. That that All of that is crap, right? That, that's never been the reason, really, why Sox fans, at least modern generation Sox fans, have that angst and have that inferiority complex. It's for reasons exactly like what you just said. It is the Cubs get all of this love from Chicago media. The Cubs get all of this love nationally because of the WGN factor and, and the fact that they were you know broadcast nationwide in a time when that was pretty rare. And it's fine. Be a Cubs fan. That's fine. Go ahead and be a Cubs fan. But if you are working in the media – How can you sit there and say, you you outlined it, you hit it on the head perfectly. How can you sit there and say that a team that is expected to compete for a World Series going into the season, that loses two of its best hitters early on, one in spring training right before the season starts, one, what, a month into the season, has a manager that comes out of retirement, a Hall of Fame manager that comes out of retirement and immediately is the most polarizing figure in Chicago sports this side of... Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy who aren't in season just at the moment but the whole hire was just you know unfathomably unbelievable when it happened I mean it actually drove your former partner on this show insane right so you have storylines with the White Sox you have drama you have some feel-good stuff too I frankly Billy Hamilton's getting a little bit of a career bounce here you know and that's kind of cool for a guy right It it is just unfathomable that they could sit there and say because the Cubs got on a little bit of a heater, the division falls backwards a little bit because the Cardinals aren't as good. They're also suffering from some injuries. The Brewers had some injuries and aren't hitting as well as they should, even though they can pitch the daylights out of the ball. That the Cubs, they get a share of first place at Memorial Day. Uh, Oh, that's that's the story. That's what's going to dominate Chicago sports until Justin Fields shows up in in a preseason game for the Bears. And I will grant you... That absolutely, when the Bears season starts, White Sox, Cubs to a certain degree, certainly the Blackhawks or Bulls, anything that's going to happen, the Bears dominate this town from a sports standpoint when they're in season. That is not the issue. But to sit there and say, as a Sox fan, that I have to listen. I have to listen to ESPN 1000. I got to be listening to the station that works for the company, this, this grand sports company, that has on multiple occasions, like you said, forgotten the White Sox won the 2005 World Series. Forgotten the fact that you know they ran through the playoffs in a historic fashion. And I got to sit there and listen to these guys sit there and, and badmouth the team on the station that I am trying to give allegiance to over the score, for example, because the score is the Cubs station. They're both Cubs stations now. If that's the case, if your intro exactly.
0: drive on your flagship station starts off with telling you that the other team is more important with no other basis for just because they're the cubbies, just because they're the cubbies is so cute. They're the cubbies. And then of course it'd be the bears that maybe we get to the white side. It's insulting. I mean, you know what? Let's just state a a simple truth here. I'm really, really sick uh, of that commercial where it's like the, the, the Sox fan family is buying something for the Cub fan family, and then the Cub fan family buy something for the White Sox family with their credit card or their bank card or whatever it is like that, and at the end, the Cubs fan guy gets the last word like, well, it was 2005. You know what I want the White Sox guy to do? I want him to turn around and say, yeah, and we won eight straight, and we went 11-1 in the postseason, which only one other team ever did, which was the 1999 Yankees, and we swept in the World Series, and you were a bad bounce away from not even getting one and still being in a hundred plus years of just never winning one. But this is, this is what gets under the skin of white Sox fans. And it's not something we have really talked about very much on the show because I've always just ignored it, but I'm in the car today with a first place team listening to the flagship stations afternoon drive show. Tell me that they're not important. And it just boggles the mind to me. The white Sox are not important. The other team is more important. It should aggravate each and every one of you listening to the show. I don't want to spend 30 minutes yelling about it, but it should just aggravate you. You know what it is? It's us against the world. And I would rather have it no other way. It is us against the world. And as White Sox fans, that's what you want. As far as I'm concerned, the first person that walks up to me after we win this World Series and says, well, I'm a Cub fan, but I was rooting for you. I'm going to be like, too bad, big guy. You get no credit for this. Walk your butt right out of here. I don't want any of you bandwagoners. I don't want any of you bandwagoners that are on the microphone that do this constantly to this team. I don't want any of you bandwagoners all of a sudden jumping around, smiling, talking about it. It'll be a real shame when after the World Series is over, all these Cub fans will get all these interviews with all these World Championship White Sox players, but all these podcasters and fans, not just us, Everybody in the spectrum that covers this team better and more than these fair weather Cub fans who pretend to be White Sox fans on Chicago media. It's, it's a joke. It, it makes me sick. Makes me angry. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I just know this. I'm not flipping on your radio station anymore.
1: You might flip off the radio station. I,
0: trust me. I flipped off. Like, you know how angry you have to be to be driving at a car and swear at a radio and then put your middle finger up to it. Like you feel stupid afterwards, but you're just so
1: angry. I I do know because I was your program director briefly.
0: (laughs) Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hard-working man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boots specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota, and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. So I spent this past weekend at the Lake Cottage. It's not mine. It's my parents. They've had it for a long time, and... One of the greatest things about having that cottage is, first of all, the cousins get to go out and hang out and run around with each other and they play wiffle ball. And my, like my shoulder hurts. I was like the automatic QB with kids from the age of like 14 on down the five that were out there playing football against each other. And uh, I, I led three wiffle ball teams to a two and one record out there on the field over the weekend.
1: Nice. Nicely
0: done. Uh, all the other fun and drinking and merriment and everything else. And in the middle of it, I'm watching White Sox games because my dad's got a, a bar that he has sitting. In, he's got this garage that opens up. You can see the lake from it. And he's got this bar inside the garage. Okay. It's like this big, you know, monstrosity that he can put the boat in and everything else. But he also has a bar in there. And I sit there and I watch on the flat screen TV, the, the ball game. And my father has been harping on me now for the last week or so about things that bother him about Jason Bonetti. And I brought this up on the last yeah. show.
1: <laughs> We're back to Bonetti. Okay. I,
0: listen, I got to bring this up because I got to get your opinion on it. Okay. Okay. Because he got me going. Like I, at first I was like, dad, he's not, he's not that bad. He's good. I like Jason. Cause I do. I like Jason. I like Jason overall. I, I like Jason more and I like Hawk. I like Hawk in the 90s more than I like Jason Bonetti, but I like Benetti more than the, you know, later Hawk.
1: And, and career end right. Hawk, yeah.
0: He's better than fat Elvis Hawk. Let's just say it like that, <laughs> you know? okay. <laughs> so,
1: Hawk would also rock that jumpsuit given a chance. You know he would.
0: Right. Hawk would rock the jumpsuit. So what he keeps harping on with me is this Benetti spends too much time talking about the standings. Now, at first I figure this is the rant of an old man. Like this is old man yells at cloud. Jason Benetti spends too much time talking about the pennant race and it's only May in which now at this point it's the beginning of June but we could still say that it's only the beginning of June. In fact, feeling like at this point we're looking at the pennant race is akin to oh the Cubs had a good couple of weeks they're now the biggest story in Chicago. That's how stupid it is. It's the beginning of June, it's a very long season. Now, I go this isn't true. You're just getting aggravated over nothing. Then I sit there and I watch ball games with my father where he could keep pointing it out. Jason Panetti probably spends at least 30% of his broadcast talking about the standings, whether it be what's going on another game or what's going on with the schedule or what's going on with like how many games are up. And if we win this game and this game and this game, and this team loses this game and this game, then this is what our standings will be. He does talk about it a lot. And you know, I'm drinking beers with dad and I'm like listening to him rant and rave about it and eventually I'm like, yeah. He talks too much about what's going on in the standings. And the thing that he said and then I want to get your opinion on this because he is right. I mean, it is a little early to talk about the standings in a season. Maybe maybe because of a 60 game schedule, uh, Jason's kind of thrown off because we really cared about that more in a 60 game schedule. But at the end of a at the end of the series the last game against the Orioles and the White Sox have now swept the Orioles and they, they've, won, they've won a bunch of games that week. What he probably should have said right at the end of the game was that the White Sox are now 12 games over 500 at that point after dropping to being seven games over 500 after being swept last weekend by the Yankees, right? He would have said that more eloquently to me. But that's probably what you would point out there. We've had a really good week and talk about us Instead, what he did is he said, now with that win, the White Sox could, because the Indians had a doubleheader, could be four and a half up by the end of the day. He basically gave the Indians two losses that hadn't happened yet. (laughs) And And then starts calculating like the magic number and it's Memorial Day weekend. Like he might be getting a little ahead of himself talking about the standings so much during the broadcast. So I, I want to get this out of the way. Cause it's driving dad nuts. Is dad crazy? Am I crazy for following him? Or is there something that holds merit here in this?
1: No, you know, when, when he's talking about what's going on with the Indians or what's going on in other games, especially in the division, I feel like that is part of being a baseball broadcaster. And letting your fans know how the other teams are doing. Because even though conceivably all of us could be sitting here and have our phone on monitoring other games while you're watching the Sox game, things like that, that's one thing. You know, I don't mind hearing that, you know, the, the Twins are getting shelled or that, you know, Shane Bieber's got 10 strikeouts but has given up four runs or something like that. That's great news. You know, that that's good. It's, it's filling some time on the screen. But, yeah, getting to the end of the game and going, hey, at the end of the day, we could be up four and a half. Well, yeah, you know what? That's fantastic, and I, you know, at the end of September, we could be up four and a half. Good. That means the magic number is probably getting down to zero. But if the magic number is still, say, in the eighties, <laughs> uh, no, no, it's, you know, we're not.
0: I'm waiting for him to start calculating the magic number. Like that's, the, like he really is into it. And I don't know if it's a byproduct of last year and the sixty game season. Yeah, it could be. Right. But that also, that and the fact that when he's on the road. When the team is on the road, and now they weren't, you know, they weren't on the road over the weekend. But I noticed it right away in the first broadcast of the doubleheader against uh, the Indians, and, and I've noticed it throughout the entire series. You know, when when the team is on the road and they're not there, that's also a very difficult thing to do. He's just watching it on TV and doesn't get the angle all the time, like the play where Anderson is trying to get Collins home, and he's in the rundown, and then he's yelling to Collins and. You could tell they had no idea where Collins was on the base path until after the camera showed him across home plate. And that's a disadvantage, and they really need to get back out there. And at this point, with the way that the numbers have fallen and, and what I saw in on Memorial Day weekend, I think a lot of us saw, wherever we were at. Like, at this point, you're starting to wonder, when are we going to start letting these guys go back out on the road? Because it would make their lives easier. But that's a completely different conversation to have. But I think maybe some of it is a byproduct of that. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because you know what? Dad had me going, man. He was like, he was like, listen to this. Like every inning he would talk about the standings and dad was like, you see, he's doing it again. Like he was keeping a tote board in the bar, which was funny as I was drinking and I was like watching the game. I'm like, wow, you could actually have a drinking game. Like every time but Eddie brings up what happened in another game and updates the standings or what they would be drink. You'd be blitzed by the end of the game. That's what, that's what I'm noticing.
1: All right, next game, I know what I'm doing. You could maybe play a drinking game at Cork and Carey at
0: the Park. Remember, Cork and Carry at the Park at 33rd and Princeton is the place to be before, during, and after White Sox games. When they're on the road, get over there. You know, I mean, what, what the heck? Go watch the game with other White Sox fans before the game and after the game. I'm going to tell you something right now. I still don't feel like The food options in the ballpark have come back to their full, you know, power. They're not the full strength right now. There's just some things that are lacking because the team didn't know what was going to happen. You know, the team didn't know, you know, how everything was going to go down. Meanwhile, they have this award-winning burger menu. They have all kinds of great ballpark food. Uh, You got to get over to Cork and Carry at the park. They've got an extensive tap that is filled with different craft beers and your regular favorites that you probably were able to get 20, 30 years ago. They've got a full liquor bar. They got indoor, outdoor seating. And they're White Sox fans, and they're right there in the shadow of the ballpark. Thirty-third in Princeton. Get more information. Look at the menu. Find out all about renting the place out for White Sox watch parties at Cork and Carry I want to get back out there soon, Ed. I'm telling you, I had so much fun on opening weekend out there. I'd be. It's. It's like one of those things where like I'm. I'm like itching to get back out there again. Like I'm itching to get back out with the people more and more and more this summer. So we're gonna have to try to work on something. It might be back at Cork and Carry at the park very very soon
1: that would be great have you been to a game yet that's the thing I, I feel like you haven't been to a game yet in person I have not I have not made it out to a park to the park yet in person I, I and it's it's not unusual for me early in the season not to be able to get out there I tend to have in my in my real job because well, I'm not a full-time white sox analyst surprise surprise <laughs> uh, but in my real job the spring tends to be a, a somewhat busier time for me and things slow down in the summer so I tend to get out more in starting in like July second half of the season, I definitely get to more games than I do in the first half. And that's, that's been for years. So it's really nothing to do with the restrictions or anything like that. But I mean, in the early going too, even like this year on opening day, when, you know, it, it happened to come at a lull and looking at my schedule, schedules like, oh shoot, I could actually go, you know, with the limited amount of people in the park and everything. I was like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to pay a premium necessarily to go out there or try and hunt down tickets. But I have been more so this year, and I think it's because I haven't now been since 2019. I am really, really itching to get out there. All
0: right, well, you and I are going soon. We're going to just get some tickets and go. I'm going to take you. We're going to walk you around. We're going to make sure those that have not met you yet uh, get to meet you from socks in the basement. There are some things that I want to ask you, my friend. I want to get your gut reaction instantaneously on these hot-button issues that I have noticed people debating uh, on social media and talking about what the White Sox, I want Ed's take right now. And then, of course, I'm going to give mine. And if you're wrong, I'm going to tell you you're wrong.
1: And if you're wrong, I'll tell you you're wrong. And then you'll tell me that you're right louder than I told you you were wrong.
0: Right. And then we'll just start screaming at each other. That's a show right there. All right.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so, going to s- sound a little like a heavy metal concert, a poor one right, at that. But, right. you know, it's, exactly. it's a White well, Sox, you know, Sox
0: show. Trust We had, us. Somebody, we had somebody go to com. click on the review thing. And leave a review that also shows up on Apple podcast because they're linked up from the website and also with the Apple podcast. And, uh, the guy referred to it as, uh, uh they re- I believe he was referring to me because of my, the way I, I talk, he referred to me as Mike North, which drove me nuts. You know, that drives me nuts. You know, that, <laughs> oh, that aggravated, man. you know, me, you know, that drives me nuts. And I was like, Oh my I God, I got compared to Mike North. Like I, I really can't scream so much on the show. And then of course I started the whole show off screaming.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. You just went right into I know.
0: I said I wasn't gonna do yeah. it and then I got I got ticked off.
1: And screaming about the north.
0: First thing, who is your number two hitter right now that you think should be in there more than anybody else?
1: I'm gonna go with well, you know what, I, 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 as much as I would like to see Nick Mandrigal there because of what he can do, I want Andrew Vaughn in the number two spot. You're That's, still sticking I'm, with I'm that I'm going to die on that hill. I want Vaughn up there.
0: All right, I'm going with Nick Mandrigal, so you're wrong. I'm not going to shout at you, I'm just going to tell you you're wrong.
1: Look, he he, no, I'm right. he gives
0: pitchers fits up there. He really does. I really like having him there. You can make the argument for Grondel and and of course, I'm interested in your whole Vaughn thing. I just don't know who's getting the big hit down at the bottom of the order if you move him up. But then again, he's been up and down, and he had a a bad week. So maybe you're right.
1: Maybe Andrew Vaughn. All right, let's get to a harder one here. Well, I'll tell you who's getting the big hit at the bottom of the lineup. Who? Nick Madrigal.
0: Who is the best starting pitcher on this staff right now, who you would hand the ball to game one of the World Series if it was tomorrow? Lance Lynn. I believe so, too. Why haven't they extended him? Like, do you think, like, like, I've seen some people having these conversations, like, if you could pick either Rodon or Lynn to extend, who would it be? And I, I, I like Carlos Rodon. He came from this organization. I think he's really good. But I look at a guy like Lance Lynn and I go, that's the man, you know? I mean, Rodon will still have his moments where, like, you know, he gets a little out of whack or he gets in the trouble and maybe a run gets across. Lynn is like that guy that just, he refuses to die. You find a pitcher like that, you hold on to him. I don't care what his age is. Like, that guy is is on your team. You find a guy that talks trash in the media that comes off the mound screaming at the opposing team and dropping F-bombs?
1: Not just the F-bombs, but a good, like, good adjectives with the F-bombs, too. There was there, there <laughs> was, was the one wonderful.
0: that came off the mound at his last start. And I, I mean, I, I watched the whole thing in slow motion, like, what he was saying, and I was like, that makes me cringe. Like, <laughs> that was, like, yeah, what a combination of curse
1: words. I looked around to make sure my kids weren't around to see that one.
0: <laughs> it's like, look at something naughty on your phone, but it was just Lance Lynn swearing at batters. Like, I, I don't know. There's just something about him that I'm like, you look at a guy like that and you go, that guy should be on my team. And you're going to sign him and you're going to hold on to him. You know, and maybe it's not either or. Like, that's the other thing I'd like to kind of throw out there to people. Maybe it's not either or. Maybe if they both do really well, you extend them both. And you find somebody that still uh, wants Dallas Keuchel. You don't have to keep him for
1: 4 years, do you? No, I, I, and you there will be a market for Dallas Keuchel because there's a market for for pitching. There's always going to be a market for Dallas Keuchel. The other thing too, and and I don't I don't like being the harbinger of doom or anything like that, but it is going to get really difficult to extend Lucas Giolito at some point.
0: It is. But you know what, by the time the Giolito runs out, Lynn will be so old that he, he won't matter either.
1: That's that's probably true, but if you're looking at if you're looking at extending Rodon and Lin, extending Rodon is a thought process behind what happens if we lose Giolito.
0: Well, yeah, I understand that, but you're not gonna move from Giolito. Like that's the thing. Like I'm not interested no, in no, no, no. getting prospects for Giolito because I don't think I could sign him or anything like that. And I still I still want to believe that they're gonna be able to to work something out with them. But yeah, in a couple of years, there's a possibility. There's no reason why you can't have six good starters on your team. And so if you want to be a competitive team, you should have those six good starters. I'm not sure if Garrett Crochet is, a, is really the sixth starter next year. I don't, I don't know if it's Jimmy Lambert. You have a lot of pitchers. Jimmy Lambert looked fairly okay in his start this weekend. You know, I mean, you, you have a lot of pitching. But all of that aside, I don't care how much pitching you have. The level of pitcher that Lance Lynn is right now, you don't have five of those. You don't have five of those guys. So that guy's got to be, like, he's a higher tier of pitcher than the majority of your staff.
1: He is, he is Mark Burley in terms of mentality, going back to the 2005 Sox. He is Mark Burley's mentality, but with way more arm talent.
0: Yeah, with CC Sabathia's anger. And you don't let that guy go.
1: And Andrew Dice Clay's vocabulary.
0: We talked to that Rangers podcast, uh, like, when we signed him. And right away, they were the guy covers the the team. He's an actual beat writer for the Rangers. And he was sitting there and he's like, it's been no secret that he doesn't like moving around. He wants to find one place to stay for the rest of his career. I don't think he's going to cost a lot. I don't think it's going to be hard to extend him. Maybe the White Sox are like, we know that too. So why rush? Maybe he's the kind of guy that they're like, Hey, we can, we can get him in August. You know, we can get him later on in the whole thing. We can get him after the year's over. Maybe there's been actual discussions back and forth.
1: I, I was about to say, nothing precludes that there's been discussions, you know, and that, and that they haven't had this, the start of this conversation and, and said, okay, Lance, you know, we're, we're going to extend you. And he might've just said, eh, talk to me after the season. It's fine.
0: Right. He might've sworn when he said it because he swears a lot.
1: Yeah. I, I'm, I'm censoring it. So, I mean, you, if, if you, if you want to edit this down, you know, Hey, Rick, Talk to me after the bleep, 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 season. You. Bleep.
0: It's just a series of it's just a series of swears, and then somebody has to translate it. <laughs> that's, that's how Lance Ling communicates in the dugout. Like somebody else walks along next to him, and after he just unleashes like a like a tirade
1: of curse words and walks away. Somebody else has to translate it as the, the, the translator walks up. We competed very well today, and I was uh, I was a little unhappy with how the fifth inning went, but I was glad I was able to overcome it and uh, get us a win. <laughs> oh, so he's happy?
0: Yeah, yeah, he's happy. Yeah. Oh, Okay, yeah, yeah, Dude, yeah. I'm very happy. Right? It's like the entirety of the German language, and like even when they even when they say "I love you," it's like ich liebe dich. You're like, oh my gosh, what does that mean? It's I love you. Like that's what Lancelin's swearing's like.
1: Most of the song du hast is about rainbows and puppy dogs. <laughs>